into the work of God to leave family and on a night perhaps when he could have been home he is here to minister to us there's something about the call of God some people don't understand but I think I can speak for ministers when I say that when you promise the Lord you'll go wherever he leads you that is a very serious thing and so sometimes that means putting the work of God ahead of everything and because the anointing just puts that in you you put God first and I know brother Wayne Huntley and his good wife and family have been putting the Lord first in their lives and God has used them in a wonderful way of course he served our our, our uh, organization in many marvelous ways for a time he was the district superintendent of the state of North Carolina He's from Raleigh, North Carolina. He pastors a great church there. We love you and we thank you, Brother Wayne Huntley. Come and preach to us. Give a big welcome. Brother Wayne Huntley. Thank you, Brother. And praise the Lord, everybody. Let's exalt the Lord in a praise just a moment here. My God, we magnify your mighty name tonight. You are worthy of our worship and of our praise. Thank you for your presence and your wonderful spirit that's moving on us even now. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Praise God. Opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, we will hasten to the word of the Lord tonight. As you locate our scriptural text, there is a marvelous touch of the Lord in our meetings in this particular time God is posturing and positioning and placing the church in its most advantageous blessable condition I am a firm believer that God blesses us to the fullness of our capacity to be blessed if we're not receiving greater blessings it's because we're not prepared for those blessings We must make ourselves blessable to where that God can continue His mighty work in our lives. And I believe that meetings like this are designed to increase our blessable values so that God can enhance us, multiply us, and do His good work and His will in the earth. There is something dynamic in the United Pentecostal Church the anointing is upon this movement and I thank God for it tonight it's a joy to be with you it is a privilege I appreciate Brother Mooney's kind remarks but I'm here tonight as a distinct awesome privilege of God to be able to serve the Lord what a privilege to be a Christian What a privilege. To live like we live. What a privilege. To know what we know. To have what we have. There's only one word that can describe our position in the Lord and that is privileged. I give honor to all of the speakers who have preceded me. Those who are both present and those who by schedule have already departed. And uh, our committee that steers this great meeting that feels the burden and the vision of bringing people together to be charged, challenged, and changed. 
I commend them for the time and energy, effort, expenses, all that goes into making a place like this, a platform like this, where we can come together and unite our faith and unite our vision and unite our desire and be touched by God. So I give honor to them, Brother Mooney, the district superintendent, this host church, and all of the wonderful people of God that are here tonight. And of course, to our general secretary, Brother Jones, I give honor to him. What a marvelous message all these men have preached so dynamically. I appreciate the way the Lord is speaking to the church. In your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 15, and we'll begin reading the verse 21. You've heard a lot of preaching. There's been a lot of things said to you. So I will hasten right to the word of the Lord and try to add the portion that I feel the Lord would have me place in this service tonight. The significant word that I feel at this moment. You know, every time, sometimes you preach, preach, everybody's got the key to revival. I believe this is the key to revival. There's a lot of keys to revival. (laughs) And uh, so I want to add just another little thought of dimension of revival and the blessing of the Lord that I feel the Spirit has been stirring me about. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. It is very significant to understand that when you get in the presence of the Lord, you cannot properly evaluate nor sum what God has really done in that moment of meeting with Him. There are some things that you won't know until you get home. It happened then, but she did not see it with her eyes until she got back home. God has so designed this meeting that more has happened here than has been contained in these walls. Some of you are going to get back home and Sunday's not going to be the same. 
you're going to say how did it happen and when did it happen it was in mid-america revival conference that somebody touched him so from the reading of these verses of scripture tonight i want to preach on the subject you can't fake it you must faith it you can't fake it you must faith it put your bibles down and give the lord one great big hand clap of praise right There's something flowing in this house right now. A dynamic move of the Holy Ghost is here. And everybody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. My message tonight is one of faith. I feel the most significant word for this United Pentecostal Church in this most momentous climactic hour is a word of faith. The Bible speaks of faith in a variety of dimensions. The scripture talks about no faith. It speaks of small faith. It speaks of great faith. It even goes as far to say that without faith, it, it, which is not defined just it is impossible it doesn't matter what it is it is impossible without faith everything you need comes by faith everything you want comes by faith we're saved by faith we're healed by faith we're kept by faith we're delivered by faith we're blessed by faith faith is the key word for the apostolic pentecostal church in this hour the scripture even says that when he comes he asks the question will he find faith i i want to say that i believe that's not only talking about his second return i believe it's talking about every time he comes to church Every Sunday morning, he's looking for faith. Every Sunday night, he's looking for faith. Every prayer meeting, he's looking for faith. When God comes into our midst, he's looking for somebody that has faith in his presence, in his power, and in his potential. Nothing is more precious than our faith in God. I say that because, and I want to deviate just to make it applicable in a more clear way. I have stood on this platform and in this audience day after day and night after night. Feeling in the spirit. Desirous to know what the Holy Ghost would say to the church. I want to tell you, and you probably already know. There is a strong demonic assault 
on the faith of this church. On the faith of the individual Christian. It's time for you to fight for your faith. Paul said to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not going to lay my hands down. I'm not going to silence my feet. I'm not going to lock my lips. I have believed. Therefore have I spoken. I said it's time to start talking more. Your silence depicts your faith. I said it's time to start saying what you want. It's time to start talking about what you want. It's time to start speaking what you want. When Israel came to the banks of their promised land, they said, we cannot enter because, and they had a long list of viable, feasible, logical, well thought out reasons that they could not go in. They said there are strong people. They said there are walled cities. They said there are very great cities. They said the Anakims are there. And I really like this one. They said it is a land that eats up people. <laughs> it's like Pac-Man. If you go in there, they just munch you up. Crunch and munch. They said it's a land that eats up the people. Not to mention the giants. Now anybody that would give you a long, feasible, reasonable, logical, making sense list like that certainly should be excused. Well, darling, I'm sorry that I ever thought you would do any better. Knowing where you are and what you're facing... And your situation, I say it's time to quit justifying our failure. It's time that we quit making alibis for our lack of productivity. And say, you don't understand. It's my city. It's my church. It's my culture. It's everything. Forget all of that. come to massage you tonight in your mediocrity. I've come to tell you, let's take the land. We don't need to lay here. Let's take the land. Somebody said it years ago, and I say it tonight. Never argue with the man who says he can, nor the man who says he can't. Because normally, they're both right. Ten said we can't. They didn't. Two said we can. They did. And if I were to ask you tonight for one of the names of the two that said we can, you would immediately tie them together. Joshua and Caleb are inseparable. But if I were to ask you here in a Bible college,
with theological brains galore. Biblical nerds all around me. Scholastic pointed heads. For one of the names of the ten who said we can't, just one of the ten, I don't think there's anybody in this audience that would give me a name of one of the ten who said we can't. You know why? Who cares? Nobody remembers folks who say we can't. You don't build monuments to folks who say we can't. You don't memorialize the names of folks who say we can't. So if you're a saint at somebody's church tonight, when the pastor says, we're going to build a new church, you say we can. When he says we're going to build property, you say we can. When he says we're going to have revival, you say we can. When the United Pentecostal Church says we're going to have a worldwide revival, you say we can. worst thing that could happen to us tonight brother young at this critical moment of unprecedented potential is for us to become negative cynical critical doubtful it's already been hammered but let me tap it one more time if you cannot believe the reports from overseas, you will not have anything to report from where you are. If you can't believe God's doing it over there, you can't believe God's doing it here. But I stand on this premise. As they played tonight, God bless America, the tears swelled in my eyes because a lot of folks are saying it won't happen here. It can't happen here my faith will not let me talk that way my faith will not accept that i believe god's going to send a revival to america i refuse to negotiate my revival Here a while back, and I'll hasten, a guy came to a city where one of our nice churches is, where the pastor came in there and dug it out, having a great revival, great church. And the, the guy was riding around with the pastor, considering maybe coming and starting a church in the area. So they spent all day riding around, looking at the different areas. Sun was setting now, end of day is coming, it came to the bottom line. The guy that was there touring, thinking about coming and starting a church, finally said to the pastor, he said, well, let's just get down to the bottom line. He said, if I come start this church, 
near you. He said, how many people can I count on you giving me from your church? I love what my pastor friend said. He looked that guy in the face, Brother Baxter, and he said, how big of a zero can you draw? come to ask the devil tonight how big of a zero can you draw because I'm not giving you anything in my apostolic revival I'm not negotiating anything I'm not coming off of my dream there are too many of us compromising our dream Settling for less than what we want. I've come to tell you, you don't have to do that. For years I had not seen it. I'd always heard it preached that when they came back, 10 had a negative report. But the Bible doesn't say they had a negative report. The Bible said they had an evil report they had an evil report this is a church that is renowned for hating unrighteousness this is a church that is renowned for hating evil there is no greater evil than a negative report and I'm not Einstein, but I notice this. Evil is only one letter from devil. And when you get negative, you're getting close to the devil. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and amen. Sit down, I'm fixing to rebuke somebody. <laughs> I rebuke that negative conversation. We can't afford it. That's too much. That's too big. We can't make it. Shut your mouth. Greater is he that is in us. If you have faith, you can do it. There's walls, there's giants, large cities, great people. People eats up people. The land eats up people. That's what they said. But Hebrews 3.19 is the same story from a different perspective. 
What I've already told you was what they said. Walls, giants, land eats up people. Great cities. That's what man said. But let's see what God said about the very same situation. Read. So we see. So we see. That they could not enter in. They could not enter in. Because. Because. But the Bible in Hebrews does not mention walls. It doesn't mention people. It doesn't mention giants. It doesn't mention the land. It said because. Because of unbelief. God said it wasn't walls. God said it wasn't the land. God said it wasn't the giants. No. It was your lack of faith. If you believe God, walls can't stop you. If you believe God, giants can't stop you. If you believe God... You don't have a people problem. You got a faith problem. You don't have a money problem. You got a faith problem. You don't have a cultural problem. You got a faith problem. You don't have a location problem. You got a faith problem. If you believe God, God will give you the land. Unbelief. There's something we got to get out of our assembly. I'm guilty as anybody. We got to get victory over this. Something wonderful happens. You know what we the believers say? Can you believe that? <laughs> it's, it's what? Unbelievable. We say, oh, they're having an unbelievable revival. They built an unbelievable church. They got some unbelievable property. Let me settle an issue. I don't care what you say or how far out it is. All you got to do is say, my God did it. And I'll say, yay, verily. One of our old preachers in North Carolina years ago was going to a meeting and he ran out of fuel in his automobile. Pulled off to the side of the road, no service stations around. Heard a brook babbling below. Got a container, went down there and filled it up with water. Came back up. Y'all still with me? I'm talking about your God. Cap off of that gas tank. Said, Lord, if you can turn water to wine, you turn water to fuel. And he put it in there, fired her up, and went on to the revival. My God is a mighty God. My God is a supernatural God. Somebody say your God can do it. 
your God can do it. But Paul went further. He said, my God shall supply all your need. It's not just your God, it's my God. Jesus said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. He who is the author and the finisher of faith said, That's great faith. Great faith is more than proper phrases. It's more than catchy cliches. It's more than name it and claim it. It's more than blab it and grab it. It's more than magic formulas. Joshua was in the midst of a victory. But the sun started setting. And he said, I am not ready to let the darkness fall on this. I have not got what I want out of this day. He was having a short victory and long shadows. And he said, I have not done what I want to see done. I'm not ready for this to end yet. Has there anybody come to Mark saying, I see the sun going down, but I haven't got what I want yet. I see the sun about to set on my dispensation, but I haven't had the revival I want yet. revival I want yet I haven't seen the miracles I want yet I'm not ready for the sun to set and in desperation the Bible said and I just noticed it afresh in the sight of Israel he said Son, stand still. And all Israel heard him. Time to quit whispering about what you want. Step to the pulpit, pulpit and in the sight of Israel. Say we will have revival. We will see our youth group double. We will have a move of God. In the sight of Israel 
It's been a recurring theme in this meeting. A return to desperation. We need to get victory over that. Oh well. You understand? It's not what I wanted, but oh well. Oh yeah. Oh what? So what? Oh well. Uh-uh. It's time for the ministry to come back to the pulpit. And with desperate boldness. Say, beloved, this is how it's going to be. You hear me, devil? This is the way it's going to be. I don't care if you don't like it. I didn't ask for your opinion. This hadn't got anything to do with the devil. We're going to have revival till he comes. He said, son, stand still. And God put the brakes on the universe and stopped it all. Even though Joshua was unintelligent. Even though Joshua didn't know seventh grade science. Joshua had no clue about how the universe worked. He even said the wrong thing. Because the sun wasn't moving. The sun does not rotate around the earth. The earth rotates around the sun. Joshua didn't know that. He just knew, I can't let this victory get away from me. I can't let this moment slip through my fingers. I can't let this opportunity get by. Brother Chance, Joshua didn't say it right. But God said, I know what you mean. (laughs) God said, I know what you mean. You don't have to be an English major, but you got to have a desperate heart. Revival's not about a college degree. Revival's not about human intelligence. Revival's not about IQ. Revival's about desperate faith. You may be seated. Jesus said this woman had great faith. The devil is trying to rob us of our faith. By lying to you that you don't have it. So you won't use it. If there's anything the devil's scared of, 
It's faith in the church. For this is the victory. For this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is the victory. When you have faith, you have the victory. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you've got faith, you've got it. It may not have arrived yet, but you've got it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Because there are three ingredients in our text of faith that I learned from this woman. Jesus said she had great faith. Number one is persistence. Sometimes great faith is just keeping on, keeping on. Just staying there. Just staying with it. It takes great faith sometimes just to stay there. Just to stay there. Persistence. Praise. And perception are the ingredients of great faith. Notice with me, and I share with you some definitions of faith in my opinion. Faith, out of this text, is a disregard for defiant disadvantages. Faith is a defiant disregard. For disadvantages. I will probably preach more about that in just a minute. Everybody say disadvantages. Ability to overlook obstacles and stay focused on the objective. Faith. Continuing under conflicting circumstances. Faith. Confession of human unworthiness and inability. And the acknowledgement of divine perfection and supreme power. The number one hindrance to apostolic Pentecostals getting what they want from God is the fact that we are ingrained with a feeling that we can only have what we deserve. I want to say that again. You disqualify yourself. You exempt yourself. You excuse yourself. And you dismiss yourself by saying, but I don't deserve this. And I ain't worthy of this. You're exactly right. What we get is not predicated on our worthiness. If we got what we deserve, We'd all be crispy critters right now. The first miracle in the book of Acts, Peter described it. He said, it's not by might. 
And it's not by merit, but it's by faith in the name. I don't deserve the revival I'm having, but Calvary paid for a bigger revival than you're having. Nail pricked hands paid for a greater revival than you're having. You need to stand up and say, Devil, I don't deserve it, but the blood bought it. The stripes paid for it. The resurrection promised it. I want to add this right fast and I'll move on. You may be seated. There's only one time that I find in the Bible where Jesus shut down shouting. Only one time in the Bible where I read Jesus told him. Stop it. They came back rejoicing that they had cast out devils in his name. That they had done many mighty works in his name. And the scripture said they were rejoicing. And Jesus said, rejoice not. You know what that means? (laughs) Cut it off, boys. Shut it off. Settle down. Rejoice not. Because the spirits are subject unto you. He said you're shouting over the wrong reasons. If you shout over what you do, you'll shout this Sunday and work for Roto-Rooter next Sunday. If you shout over what you do, you'll run the aisles this week and sit on the back row looking out the door next Sunday. Your walk with God will be up and down. Up and down. Pentecostals worship their worship and they worship their works and they worship their prayer and they worship their fasting and they worship their testimony. And all of that is subject to change. So Jesus said, cut it off. But rather, rejoice. Because your names are written. Don't shout over what you do. It's variable. Don't shout over what you do. It's flexible. It's transient. It vacillates. But shout over what I do. I put your name in that book and nothing or nobody can take it out. Shout because he's worthy. Shout because he's worthy.
When I don't feel good, he's worthy. When I feel bad, he's worthy. When I'm down in the dumps, he's worthy. When I fail the test, he's worthy. When I'm cold, he's worthy. Woo! If you'll praise him for that, you'll have a perpetual praise. Praise him when the saints are coming in. Praise him when they're going out. You may be seated. Let me minister just a minute and we'll go back to preaching. Somebody needs to shake the devil off of your back right now and blow his mind by jumping up and dancing out in that aisle because the devil is thinking you ain't got nothing to shout about the mess you left at home. The troubles you've been going through. You just dive out there and start praising God and the walls will start coming down. What have you got to shout about? What have you, if that man can run the aisles, somebody else ought to run these aisles. If that man can dance in the spirit, somebody else ought to dance in the spirit. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Let your faith go.
for miracles to hit the apostolic Pentecostal church in North America. You've got the faith. Release it! Remain standing just a minute. Goliath had defeated all kinds of adversaries. Because the Bible says he was the champion. You're not crowned champion without some challenges. And he had fought all kinds, shapes, and variety. But when he stood out there and Saul said, he's too big to hit. David said, he's too big to miss. was ready for everything David could offer according to the history of warfare. But David did something Goliath had never seen. And here comes David. And out of all that twisting, a stone came out of there. And Paul said, that rock was Christ. And when we start praising and dancing, something comes out of there that brings our giants down.
Remain standing. And I'll skip through all kind of stuff and just come to the end. You may be seated. The Bible said this woman came out of, out of the coast. She was from Tyre and Sidon. The heart of the message is this. She was not a Jew. She had no right to desire. She had no right to deserve. She had no right to demand anything from Israel's Messiah. She was outside the pavilion of promises. She was not covered in the canopy of covenants. Romans 9, quickly, and verse 4. She was disadvantaged. I felt the Lord impress me to preach tonight to the feeling among us of the disadvantage. My daddy's not the superintendent. My uncle's not the president. I have no heritage. Disadvantaged. But this woman, excuse the term, said, baloney. <laughs> she just said, baloney. <laughs> she had no right. She had no rhyme. She had no reason. She was interrupting. She was busting on his party. But she didn't care. I got a need. Your need has got to get bigger than your handicap. Your desire has got to get greater than your pedigree. got to make up your mind I may not belong there I may not have no right there I may be out of place there but there ain't nobody there going to want it more than me and Jesus has come to the hour that pedigree doesn't count name doesn't count Heritage doesn't count. The thing that counts now is who wants it? Who wants it? 
who wants it? Who wants it? Let me show you how disadvantaged he was. Read for me quickly, Brother Mooney. Who are the Israelites? Who are the Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption? The adoption and the glory, to glory and the covenant, covenant and them. the giving of the law, giving of the law and the service of God, service of God and the promises. Promises belong to them. Whose are the fathers? And the fathers are theirs. And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. And Christ came to them. Who is over all? She knew she was out of place. And so, she tried to fake it. She tried to fake it. Because she said, Jesus, Lord, thou son of David. She was trying to use those... High ecclesiastical, holy Jewish words to fake him out and make him think she deserved what she was asking for. Hello. I preach now to the young preachers. There's more to this than just getting the doc terminology down. There's more to this than getting... Praise the Lord, brother. There's more to it than knowing exactly what to say. How to say it. Having a move of God. God is pouring out His Holy Spirit. <laughs> Getting all the words just right. Trying to fake it. And the Bible said, He answered her. Not a word. Most hum human beings apply this principle. Kiss me. Slap me. But don't ignore me. And Jesus ignored her. He answered her he would not even waste a one-syllable word. No! And that's where a lot of you are tonight. You're in the worst place you can be because he hasn't said no. But he hasn't said yes. So then, she turns to those who are next to kin, the holy disciples. 
word in for me, boys. You're close to him. Pull some strings for me. Write a letter for me. Tell him I can preach. You know what they said? Lord, tell her to get out of here. She's bothering us. Send her away. And then, Jesus finally says something to her. He says, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He ignored her. They insulted her. And now Jesus says, you're a goat. Because he said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep. And that's not you. You're not a sheep. You're a goat. <laughs> I'm talking about faith. And then the Bible said, she worshipped him. For being ignored. For being insulted. For being asked to leave. For being called a goat. What was she worshiping him for? Nothing that she had received. Nothing for what he had done. But just for who he is. You can ignore me. You can insult me. You can call me a goat. But you're still God. You're still God. Come on, somebody. You're going to have to get past getting your feelings hurt. Your desire is going to have to be greater than your sensitive feelings. So what if somebody don't like me? I'm still going to have revival. So what if somebody don't want me here? God put me here. He said, ignored, insulted, called a goat. And now he says, it is not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. <laughs> now she's not just a goat, she's a dog. And I see him start to walk off thinking, the end. <laughs> Nobody's stupid enough to stay after all that. Insult, neglect, goat, dog. See you later, lady. And Jesus hears somebody clearing their voice behind him. 
he turns around and she says, True, truth, Lord. I see it now. I didn't fool you. I see it now. I didn't fake you out. You knew all along who I was. And the only way you can get what you need from God is to be honest. And just say, truth, Lord. It's time for us to be honest with God. I wish I could convince you you don't have to be somebody else to have revival. Take your mask off and quit posing as some camp meeting preacher. Quit posing as some national leader. Quit posing as some conference speaker. Just rip the mask off and say, True Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. But she said, Just a minute, Lord, before we finish this. Lord, you're right. I am a dog. But Lord, don't the dogs get the crumbs? Isn't there something for dogs? She said, don't the dogs get the crumbs? Here's what she was saying. Excuse me, sir. I'm not asking for the whole loaf. Excuse me, sir. I'm not asking for a chair at your table. I don't belong there. But I happen to know who you are. And I happen to know what you can do. And I happen to know that for you to cast a devil out of my daughter on the other side of town with just a word is a crumb of your power. In other words, what she said was, hey, hold it. I'm not asking for something big. I'm not asking for you to break a sweat. I'm not asking for you to bankrupt heaven. For you to do what I'm asking is just a little old bitty crumb. And Jesus said, I've never seen such faith. You know why? Because she had a true perspective of his power. We Pentecostals preface our prayer like this. Oh God. God, if you could. God, if you can. Oh, God, I know this is a biggie. (laughs) 
God, I know this is going to wear you out. God, is a great need. God, is it so big? She said, I got a crummy request. <sighs> Lord, this is so little, I'm ashamed to even tell it to you. That's what we've got to do. God, for you to save my backslidden husband, it's a crumb. For you to turn my church upside down in revival, that's a crumb. For you to give us that new property, that's a crumb. For you to heal people in our church, that's a I'm not asking for something big. You're a great God. Remain standing. Ever since the Lord gave me this message, it changed my prayer. Now I just start saying, God, it's so easy for you to do this. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm almost ashamed to ask you. This is so small. This is so little. You're not going to have to be rubbed down by the angels after you do this. You're not going to have to go on vacation after you answer my prayer. God, this isn't tough. Oh, I pastor in the meanest town in the world. God, if you could move my city. God, this is a bunch of rebels I pastor. If you could send us a revival. God, I don't know. I know it's going to be tough. And just said, instead of saying, Lord, <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you with this. <laughs> this is so little. So just go ahead and do it. <laughs> it's a crumb. can straighten your building program out and not break a bead of sweat. <laughs> oh, missionary, he could give you a new building and not strain one muscle. That's right. He kept, Jesus cast the devil out by the finger of God. It didn't even take a whole hand <laughs> or one arm. Just. <laughs> what are you worried about? What are you sweating about? Why are you burning ulcers in your stomach? You just need to go. big deal Jesus is backing up and he's saying oh woman oh woman ain't nothing worse than a woman after you and Jesus backing up saying 
Back off, woman. You don't know what thoughts you're putting in my head. Back off, woman. Back up. Cut me some slack. You're pressing me. And all of a sudden, Jesus has gone back as far as he can go. And he says, oh, woman. Great is thy faith. And Jesus reached around Gethsemane. And Jesus reached around the cross. And Jesus reached around Calvary. And Jesus reached around a broken body, a shed, shed blood, and a resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And He brought that woman a miracle that belonged in another dispensation into her day. I said, woman, what you're asking for? It's not time for it. It doesn't belong now. But your faith is so great. I'm going to reach around all of that and bring something out of your future into your today. I'm telling you, if you'll get faith in God, you don't have to wait. God can reach into your tomorrow and bring you something now. He actually reached into another dispensation and answered her prayer because you can have what you really should have to wait on now if you can believe you can even have what really ought to be given to somebody else if you can believe your hands and begin to whisper that with me. I believe you, Lord. Where is that discouraged pastor? Where is that discouraged pastor's wife? Where is that discouraged young preacher? step out in that aisle say devil you're a liar I believe you God I believe you God we will build a church we will have revival we will grow we will be blessed take your wife by the hand right now lift it up Faith is coming. You talk about Goshata. 
Whatever it is you need from God, just start saying, it's not a hard thing, God. It's not a big thing, God. I'm not 